Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Amen. Glory, hallelujah. What beautiful faces, wonderful songs, and uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, friends. Thank you, those who are online. Appreciate our church family being here. God bless everyone. We're starting a new series, as you can see, a four-part series this month in Ephesians, who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What are we looking for? What's the purpose of this series? Well, what defines you? What shapes you? What drives you? What is the driving force in your life? Who or what? is your motivation in life. What or who do you value the most? Is it to be the top of the class? Is it to be in the top university? Is it to have the best job? The best company? Fun people to be around? They have the best social status, the best TikTok, the best Facebook likes, Instagram, dynamic video. Is that what you're looking for? Is that what drives you in your life? Well, the letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesus answers those questions. And the passage I have for this morning is very important because they will change your life if you will allow them. These verses and passages change everything and why we do them and how we do them and what's our motivation. It's all about who we are in Christ Jesus. It's all about what He has done for us and we didn't even deserve it. We were... It's the Old Testament phrase, stiff-necked people. Might be fighting words to you to be called stiff-necked. But I was certainly stiff-necked. And yet I found that Christ loved me. Amen. And I have to humble myself in this study. And I had to ask myself, did I know everything about the true blessings found in Jesus Christ? Do I know, am I accessing those riches? I had to humble myself. Take the pride out of the window. Take me in deeper, Lord. Sometimes I'm afraid I live if I don't know all the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. Do you live that way? And the riches that Paul talks about is just scratching the surface. Now there's a lot of people in this room today that's willing to go into debt. Willing to go into debt for their future education. Willing to go in debt for a new house. Willing to go in debt to buy a car. Willing to go in debt to go to the best 
universities. Nothing wrong with that. But you're willing to spend a whole lot of money for it, right? Now don't worry about the student loan forgiveness program. Because eventually, the payment's going to come due. Somebody's going to have to pay. Paul writes from a prison cell to a church in Ephesus. Ephesus had one of the sixth or fourth wonder of the world at that time. The Greek goddess Diana, God Artemis. It was a city, however, that was given over to carnality, idol worship, sexual immorality, kind of like today in whatever city you live in. And Paul, you can imagine in prison, scratching his chin going, what can I say to these young folks in the church family in Ephesus? What can I say to this young church family facing real threats from all sides, facing real trials just like you're facing today, facing obstacles along their journey in Christ Jesus. You know, first time that Paul came up to and approached Ephesus, he come across some disciples in Acts chapter 19. And he asked the question, Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they go, No. We have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So Paul says, Hey, you got the Gospel of John down great. Now let's talk about Jesus Christ because He's the one that matters. Let's talk about His death. Let's talk about why that's so meaningful. Let's talk about His burial. Why that's so important. Let's talk about His resurrection because that gives you victory over Satan. Gives you victory in this life. Gives you victory over sin. He cleanses you because of His powerful resurrection. Paul said to those disciples, let's talk about that for a while. And later on, do you think these people weren't fired up? The leadership was. The leadership was pretty fired up. I mean, they enjoyed a deep, special connection with the Apostle Paul. Later on in Acts chapter 20, just read verses 17 and through 38. You can see how special it was, especially in verse 36 and 38, when they knelt together and prayed with one another, brothers in Christ, and wept. Wasn't that special? Now fast forward from that moment about 25, 30 years down the road. Then you come to Revelations chapter 2. Jesus, through an angel, writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, of all places. And what was he saying there? He said, hey, Doc, guys, you're doing great. You're stoked. You're excited. You're passionate. You got a lot of work going on. And you, you got a lot of work team going on there. You got workforce out, filtering out evil. That's great. Chewing away those birds of prey attacking the church. 
But there's something missing. There's something missing. You're left your first love. Paul, the angel, would then say to them, quit going through the motions. You're missing the point. Things have gotten stale. Oh, routine. Time to repent and get reacquainted back, get connected back to Jesus Christ. And so here we are back in Ephesians chapter 1 now. 1 through 14. Inviting us, Paul does, back to where it matters in life. Bringing us back to the good news, the gospel message, to get back where true blessings originated and reconnect to who and where it matters. And that is putting your faith, life, heart, mind, and soul to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Who's the young man that read the reading this morning? Thank you, sir, for that reading. For convenience sake, I won't reread this, but we'll touch on some things here in a few minutes. In fact, let's just do it right now. Rich in Christ. Look at all of these blessings. These are the things I just were they able to put on the board. Imagine the blessings found in Christ Jesus. Let's just look at these. Saints, faithful, blessed, every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Amen. Chosen before the foundation of the world. That one there is a head scratcher to me. Chosen before the foundation of the world. I just think we just overlooked this so much. I mean, before there was the moon, before there were stars, before there was anything, he had, had in mind you and me. And it all was because of Christ. Holy, without blame, predestined, adopted. We'll cover that here in a few minutes. All done to according to His purpose and good pleasure, to the praise of His glory. Accepted in the beloved. We'll talk about beloved here in a minute. Purposed in Himself. Oneness in Christ Jesus. Amen. What power that is. Inheritance. In Him, He says, Paul does. You trusted. Is that who you trust this morning? Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Guaranteed. Our guarantee, redeemed, forgiven, the riches of His glory, mystery revealed in Christ Jesus. These were all the things that we find in Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 4. It's similar to a thought that Paul had in the Colossians letter. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Verse 26, he says this, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. Amen. To them God willed to make known what are the true riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Amen? This is what Paul was addressing. So I asked the question again. I had to ask myself. Am I accessing these riches? Am I connecting to these riches? To these great blessings? And what it did for me is to help me understand that God has more for me in store. And you. There's no limits to his spiritual blessing and riches. You can't outgive God. You can't outdo God. When you just think God has blessed you, guess what? He's got another blessing coming around the scene somewhere. You think you may have touched on one rich. Next thing you know, there's more riches following. The floodgates just fly open when you're faithful and true to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look what Christ has done, Paul was saying. Paul uses that phrase a lot in his epistles. In Him, in Christ, in God, in the Beloved. I think I found one source that said he used that phrase over 216 times. Now, a lot of you are husbands here this morning. Uh, let me ask you a question. If your wife repeat something over and over, what do you think is going on? You're going to think, well, she's nagging me, and that's what's going on. Really? You know what it is? Two things. One is something really, really important. And number two, she knows that you will forget. Amen. I mean, that's just the truth of it. That is why Paul uses this phrase over and over again. It's important, and he knows that we'll forget, just like the Ephesians, 20-some-odd years, 25, 30-odd years down the road, left their first love. They forgot. It's really important, Paul is saying. God doesn't go bankrupt. He is not broke. And he is not stingy. That's what this list reminds me of. Sadly, when I pray, or sometimes when I have big decisions to make, I have a tendency to look at my own resources and rely on myself. Rather than the power and riches and blessings of Jesus Christ. Who do you rely on the most when it's most important in your life? when those necessary and crucial decisions need to be made. Verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Saints. You ever thought much about that word, saint? Jordan, let me ask you a question. At the Brotherhood meeting, did you wear a name tag? Did it say Jordan Dancer? It didn't say Saint Jordan. Oh, man. Now, it would make us pretty uncomfortable to parade around the Brotherhood meeting. Saint Bruce, hi, glad to meet you. 
But why does it make us uncomfortable? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we don't feel like saints. And that's sad. Positionally, you are a saint in Christ Jesus. Don't think in terms of feelings. But think in terms of what Christ has done. Who Christ is. What He accomplished. Who you are in Christ Jesus. Because it's all about being in Christ. That's how and why Paul begins this letter. Using that word. Saint. Isn't that wonderful? What does the word saint mean? It means to be set apart. Special. Loved. Isn't that just a greatest description of who we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we shouldn't be holy and without blame before Him in love. When you think in terms of being blessed by Jesus Christ, I don't know, if you're a lot like I am, I start thinking in terms of physical blessings. More times than not. But we need to step out of the way and let Christ lead us spiritually. You know what? God may bless you with good health. And hallelujah if He does. God may bless you with a good job. He may bless you with a new car. He may bless you with a new house. He may bless you with money. He may bless you with prestige. But you know what? Paul had none of these things. And he was in prison. And yet he could say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Paul, are you kidding yourself? You're in jail. Don't you know that, buddy? You're in jail. And that's supposed to be joyous? A blessing? Positionally, yes. Who are we in Christ Jesus? And in fact, it would cause Paul to say in Philippians chapter 4, you remember, I think you know what I'm going to read. Verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What power. Well, we depend and lean on feelings way too often. I do. I can only look at myself. And I know I do that too often. There's this powerful tug of war going on in our brains between the will of Christ and our will. And those feelings, emotions, get the best of us a lot of times. But you know what? We're supposed to be fired up. Isn't that what Romans chapter 12 tells us? 
fervent in spirit, passionate, excited for the Lord. But a lot of times we, we start feeling that tug of war being dragged down. I don't feel good. I don't feel like loving you. I don't feel like forgiving you. I don't feel good. I just don't feel like it. And when we get to those feelings, all we need to do is go back to Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 14, and read those great reminders of who we are in Christ Jesus and what He's done. God is bigger than my feelings. God is bigger than my emotions. We are spiritual beings, and His spiritual blessings last forever. A car won't. A house won't. A job won't. We can't carry it with us to the grave. Spiritual blessings last forever. And as long as we are in Christ Jesus, moth and rust can't corrupt those spiritual blessings. You can go ahead and have your pity party all you want. But when you do, go back and reread verses 1 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 4 again and 5. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Paul is going nuts. I like that. In the beloved. What does that mean? In the beloved. What does that mean? It's a verb. Did you realize that? means to love you dearly. To love you dearly. And I want to love you dearly. Uh, adopted. Now, there are several of us in here who that word has special meaning. Mark is one of them. I'm one of them. I adopted Stephen, my son, our son. Better correct myself before I get in trouble. But adoption, the church, the church been, has been in the adoption business ever since its inception. Just to straighten that out right now. Because we're all adopted. Amen. And that speaks to both personal and positional adoption. God is our Father. And we are loved by Him. Just underline that. God is our Father and He loves us. We are loved by Him. You may think, well, sometimes I just don't feel like He loves me. God is in the loving business. That's why He sent His Son. For God so loved the world. And He cares for us with an intense jealousy. But not everyone that has grown up with a great dad. There have been many selfish dads in this world, unfortunately. They betrayed their children, turned their backs again, caused pain and anguish, caused deep trauma. I, fortunately, 
have what I consider to be the best dad in the whole wide world, better than yours. But that's because of where I am. But dad had his faults. I'll just be honest with you. He wasn't perfect. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, talks about the discipline from our dads and basically saying, you know, they did their best. But God does it perfect every single time. He's the best and perfect father imaginable. Okay? The best and perfect father imaginable. He chose you and invites you personally, yes, into his family. John chapter 1 reminds us of that. I don't know if you ever noticed that wonderful passage in John chapter 1. In verse 12, But as many as has received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And because we are his child, and because we have been adopted, you, brother and sister, have his ear. And as Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says, we cry out, Abba, Father. And he hears you personally. Now, we have a lot of kids that fly into that fellowship hall. I mean, it's like a magnet. And there might be 10, 15 children in there. And, I mean, it's going crazy. But I guarantee you, if you're a parent, you'll know where exactly your child is when you hear their voice or when you hear their cry. God is the same way. He is our Father. He hears your cry. He knows exactly when you are hurting and when you are in need the most. And Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He is our Father. It's personal. Adoption is. But adoption is also positional. Back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In verse, I believe it is, 17. The Spirit himself, verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, listen, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Don't you like that part too? We don't like the other part. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You see, it's positional. It's more than just personal, is my point. We become ambassadors. We're in the same family business. We're bought with a price. We're accounted for. We're paid. Our redemption is paid. And we are to be lights in a dark world. We used to be stiff-necked people. But now we have been saved by His grace and by His love. And now He expects to see our good works. Because He expects us to be 
the lights to be works of his grace so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might, might, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places Ephesians 3 verse 10 God's message in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 is very simple to me God's message is I am stoked to bring you in to my family now there's work to do you're my son and my daughter. Now honor me with your life. You can't just sit around and skate. We are created for good works. Now are you feeling down? Are you feeling a little blue this morning? Feeling a little bit lost along the way in life? Underappreciated, maybe. Unloved. Look at what Paul is revealing to us from prison. He is saying, let's, let's just drill down into grace a little while. That'll take care of the blues. Let's drill down in his amazing love. That'll take care of my feeling a little lost. Let's talk about who we are in Him. Predestined to be conformed to His image. Promises that were made and delivered before you and I were ever born. Powerful demonstration of who we are in Christ Jesus in these passages, verses 1 through 14. Evidence through the guarantee and seal of the Holy Spirit. God is not bankrupt. There is no end to the riches that He is ready to give and that's found in Christ Jesus. There is no end to His love. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 puts it very special, in a very special way. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Notice what he says. It's, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become what? Rich. What does that mean in a negative light? It means if you don't have Christ, you don't have any riches. I'm sorry to say that a lot of people are in that predicament. Paul's chapter 1 message is designed to encourage us, lift us up. He calls us to something higher and bigger. Truths that will change who we are and how we live and how we pray and how we act and live with each other. God has more in store for us. In fact, that's what Paul prays for. Later on in Ephesians chapter 1, he says that the eyes of your understanding, that they, they will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Amen? That's his prayer for you and I. It begins with you making a decision this morning. Walking down that path was with an open heart, opening up your mind and soul to him. Be committed to be true. To Christ who has always been true to you. 
to connect or maybe to reconnect this morning to believe and be faithful. Most importantly, to find yourself in Christ Jesus. Won't you come as we stand and sing this song? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.